Welcome to the Making Jobs Podcast, where we talk about car repair, business ownership, and everything in between. I'm your host, Matt Hernandez, founder and owner of Matt's Mobile Mechanics. And I'm your co-host, Tyler Schultz, with Witness Security. So without further ado, let's get the show on the road. And we are back again with the Making Jobs podcast. So how'd your weekend go? Weekend was um, uh, hit or miss, sort of. I mean, I got some things accomplished, but then again, it felt like I also wasted a fair amount of time. My wife was sick, so so I didn't, uh, you know, I had... uh, I had children rearing duties at the same time as trying to get to-do list things knocked off of the uh, over the weekend. I mean, I got my I got my chicken coop cleaned up, so that was <clears throat> that was an accomplishment. I started so um, I've been trying to get uh, my kitchen repainted or the kitchen cabinets repainted for about a year now. Yeah. Uh, and so yesterday, and actually Friday, I went to Lowe's, bought me a uh, a uh, paint sprayer. I'm not doing the stupid brush and paint. I did that. That uh, just gives you writer's cramp. And I wasn't writing a single thing, so I was ready to get rid of the paintbrush pretty much. <coughs> but, uh, <coughs> goodness, <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> We went, all right, I went and got the paintbrush, or paintbrush, the sprayer, and tried that out. That was slick. Yeah. I, I uh, painted five doors in a fraction of the time that it took me normally to paint one door. I like I like paint sprayers. The only thing is there is a trade-off with, so yes, it's quicker to paint, but there is more prep work involved. In the in, with the exception of like your doors, like there's not because you you're taking the doors off, so you don't have to like tape everything up. But yeah, just the yard. Yeah, I just took them out in the yard, and yeah, now I've got paint in the yard. Yeah, but you know that'll be gone next. It'll be gone. It'll actually probably remain for the majority of the winter, actually, until <laughs> the grass starts growing again. Actually, did you use water soluble paint it like was, a latex? Uh, oh, it's a primer. Yeah, it's staying. Yeah, it'll be there for a bit. <clears throat> yeah, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't accomplish as much as I intended this weekend. Um, I also wasn't feeling my greatest on Saturday, and uh, but I was like, I've got too much to get done. So, and then yesterday, I did a whole lot of nothing. Um, I was really, I was supposed to have gotten gotten more work done i didn't even get a chance to get out uh go grab the boat and clean it out <clears throat> mm. i was planning on doing that uh, yeah so um when it comes to the making jobs podcast um uh, i wonder if our listeners uh or rather your listeners uh, they look at the fact that we're um we both have businesses yeah um uh, and actually you have probably what two or three businesses technically two and then i have yeah, two two businesses that i run so a lot of people they would look at us and go man these guys just got something weird 
Yeah. That they, they're, these guys are just weird. Uh, yeah. And they, they, they probably have a, a good amount of knowledge uh, when it comes to running businesses that um, most people just don't have that. And so what they think, they, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, they think they're just weird. Yeah. Yet at the same time, no, we're just well regular run of the mill humans. No, I think uh, I think people who have the entrepreneurial spirit are weird. We, oh yeah, there's, there's, we're definitely weird. You have to have you have to have a certain level of crazy to do to to run a business to oh, start yeah. a business. Especially. Because so many people um, that <clears throat> don't uh, start a business because it's comfortable to stay at that nine yeah. to five or. Or that that well, regular we have, shift work. We have friends who have toured with the idea of starting businesses, and we've, you know, I, I'm always because I see the benefits of it, and I have, and it's so much easier for me now to take a leap and you know take the risk of starting a business because it's not this isn't my first rodeo, and every single time that you take that risk, it gets less scary, um, especially when it pays off. Oh, yeah. And so it's easy for me to say, no, man, go for it. Go ahead, you know, start up that graphics design company or start up that video production company, you know. Um, and and they're like, well, it's just a, so, and then you, I can always see them kind of scooching closer to the edge of the cliff and they're looking down and thinking about it and they're not quite making that leap yet. And yep. I'm like, it's easy. Just go ahead, jump. You know, I've already jumped off like six cliffs by now. <laughs> but uh, I kind of forget <clears throat> what it did feel like the first time around. Like uh, whenever, remember we jumped, we were, when we went camping. Yeah. Uh, On the Buffalo and, River. Yeah. And yeah. we would uh, jump off the cliff and into the water. Mm-hmm. I only did it once. And the whole time I was about <clears throat> to do it, I was like, no, I'm not really feeling the longer, it. The longer you think about it, the harder it is. Because the more exactly. time you have to convince yourself that you're not going to do it. <clears throat> exactly. And it's the same thing when starting a business. It is. That's uh, why That's why I like to use that analogy frequently is because I have done both things. I have started businesses and jumped off of cliffs. And, <laughs> and the feeling is very similar. <laughs> I know from personal experience that it's it's quite, quite the same. Uh, I think... And so... I think you can, there, there are people, there's probably, and I'll tell you this, there's more, there's people that have the skill and the means to start a business. There are plenty, there are more people that have the skill and means to start a business than actually do start businesses Oh yeah, because of the fact that it does require a special kind of crazy to go ahead and, and, and actually dive into it. Yeah, I agree. I've noticed there, there, even there at church, um, people have come up to Keith and I and asked, uh, business questions and we will be happy to, uh, expel some, some knowledge their direction. <clears throat> but every time that we've expelled that knowledge, um, one of which was, uh, a family there in church, they were going to start a, an escape room that they, they yeah. thought, man, these escape rooms are just awesome. Yeah. And, uh, but what Keith and I told them is if you're going to start a business, doesn't matter what it is, until that business is taking care of you financially, don't quit your other job. Yeah. And they're like, well, what we were planning on doing is uh, he'll quit his job and um, she'll keep on working because she makes more an hour. Yeah. And Keith and I are like, well, 
Uh, Unless or until that business is taken care of, both of y'all, and you have both of the jobs now financially that you have to have until that job, because that that new thing, that new business, that's going to take a good amount of finances to get going. This is this goes back to the advice that we gave um, a few episodes ago, talking about doing a soft launch and not not jumping in so much. You know, both feet forward. Oh yeah, um, because. You know, try and see if you can do it. But the thing is, is some businesses, it is very difficult to start part-time and test the waters with them. It is. Some of them are kind of, you know... Just means you're going to be working 90 hours a week. And that's the thing that a lot of people... And and it does discourage a lot of people when they do start a business and realize that they've got to put, you know, 80 hours a week into this thing um, just to keep keep everything afloat. And my advice would be, because they get into it thinking that they're going to have more control over their schedule. They're going to have more flexibility with their life. They're going to be able to sit back, relax, and let the business kind of bring in the income. And that's true, but not at first. Like oh, yeah. every business is going to require a, is going to require more work than you've ever put into anything the first, you know, couple of months, maybe I mean, even the first year. The, the, um, <clears throat> you remember the, the display that we had there for our home and garden shows Mm -hmm. keith and i didn't build that during our normal workday hours yeah i would imagine not as a matter of fact we didn't build that um or we we built it at night and i think i'm not 100 percent positive but i think that was also in the tail end of us uh working at the hotels yeah because we had hotel night audit jobs along with working Mm -hmm. witness and what was funny is Keith and I, are, we're working our tails off there in the garage. <coughs> Both had a couple um, there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I saw that you were getting ready to do it, so I was like, I'm going to go ahead and take a chance here. We do um, need those cough buttons. i got to figure yeah. that out. That'd be nice. Um, so Keith and I, uh, we're working our tails off, building that stupid display. And at the same time, my mom comes out in the garage and she goes, it's nine o'clock at night. Yeah. There are people trying to sleep. You're going to wake up the neighbors. And Keith goes, I don't care. <clears throat> this is the only time I have to work on this. Got to get it done. <laughs> I mean, the first the first uh, couple of months while I was, uh, uh, whenever I started Matt's Mobile Mechanics, it required a inordinate amount of work, and I I work six, sometimes seven days a week, um, and the and and actually a lot of times seven days a week. The first uh, two months that I was th- three months, first three months I was doing it. Once you left us, or yeah, yeah, I was working. Now you were doing it long before <clears throat> you left us. Yeah, but it, and it was that was kind of the nice thing about it. I did. I had. I hadn't intended to, but I did follow my own advice that I'm giving now, and I did kind of, sort of, do a soft launch, and I'd built somewhat of a client base before I jumped into it. And that was the first business that I did do it that way. It's kind of funny though, is we didn't. <clears throat> Witness was not one of your clients. No. While you were working for us. No. Uh, I think we were still taking it to Whistler or taking our vehicles to Whistler. I think so. Yeah. Whenever uh, you were with us. Yeah, and it's be you know I just didn't uh, I could have I didn't 
pursue it because I didn't really think I was, because at the time I was really kind of at the capacity of clients I could take while doing it just kind of part-time, you know, in the afternoons and on the weekends type of a deal. And I did that for a few months really and had already built somewhat of a client base. I mean, I think I probably had, um, I think I probably had, I would say total, I had I'd taken care of 50 different customers, but I had at that time that I had left and went full into it, I had 20 that were known return customers, which is not a lot. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Uh, but it's enough to prove that, hey, this can make some money. And through circumstances that did require me to, the plan was I was going to take a just a, a three-month leave from, uh, witness security because we were basically shutting down sales for three months and <clears throat> and that kind of put you know it was my plan but it kind of put my, you know, my own plan put me out of a job um, <laughs> and I and I you know and, and Keith was worried about it he said well what about you and I said don't worry about me I've got this side business going on that you know I can I'll just you know ramp it up a little bit more full-time and that'll probably pay the bills for three months it turned out that by the time three months was over, I had too many clients to where I was, you know, I just, there was no way I could have, I mean, I could have, but it was, it was doing too well and I didn't want to end it. Oh yeah. I also didn't want to disappoint the customers because every customer I had was just super happy about the whole, the whole ordeal. So. And on top of that, I think we became one of your uh, yeah first solid customers that you could guarantee you weren't gonna have to <clears throat> check and see if we we're still gonna be using you yeah it was we were going to be returns so that was kind of the first co company that i started and and i didn't like just start whole hog in it um like so the very first company i started i guess it was kind of sort of a soft launch but it but it wasn't the first company i started being a remodeling company that within two months took a complete turn from the original business plan and business model. And instead of doing remodeling, we were doing remodeling, but we were flipping mobile homes, which is a completely different model than what I initially anticipated for the company. But I was also still in the Marine Corps while I started that business. It was the last couple months that I was in the Marine Corps, and I had a lot of leave saved up that I had to burn. So I would basically, you know, take leave and then I'd have to go back into work for a few days and then go back on leave and get to, you know, start working on this company. So I was working two jobs basically um, at that time. Now, when you were in that position, though, there was a lot of sitting. Wasn't it like a firehouse where you're just you're sitting around? Um, only sometimes. So that that was that was not all the time that that was my. Th that's what I would do because you know that was only if I was at the alert facility so you know we would do that for a month at a time and at the last several months I was in I didn't have to go do the alert facility I would just run the the night crew in Quantico hmm. so so I was basically, I wasn't really quite working two jobs, but it was like I was working, you know, a part-time job and the full-time job with the business. And that's something that a lot of people think they're prepared to do. But here, the one of the best pieces of advice that I could give anyone is to, is that really you have to have the ability to realize potential, to see potential. Oh, yeah. Because... If you're if you're one of those types of people that can only see what's happening right now, you're going to have a real tough time in the beginnings of a business. 
um, because you're going to have a difficult time seeing it getting better. You're going to have a, have a difficult time being able to extrapolate and see expansion and see, you know, higher profits coming in. You're going to have a tough time, you know, putting your, putting your boots on and going to work, um, for the 75th hour in a row. <laughs> to, you'll, to, you'll have a hard time. Like in my case, um, uh, I was working for my dad and it wasn't till, um, I got married in April or in September of 13. It wasn't until April of 2013. And I had been working for my dad from August of 2010 till April of 13. I really was never receiving a solid paycheck all of that time. Up until April of 13. <clears throat> and the only reason the switch flipped there was uh, I had already asked my... Uh, now wife to marry me yeah and i had already bought a ring and i said dad <laughs> this has got to happen <laughs> so <laughs> i mean i i've seen it i've seen it happen you know a dozen times where people will in fact we have we have some friends that um we have we have a few friends uh we know of one who has thought about starting several businesses um never pull the trigger we have a friend who has started a business, then went back to go work for someone else because. And, and the funny thing is, is that it wasn't that his business wasn't necessarily capable of doing well, or that it wasn't doing well. Uh, there's another aspect in it that you know he didn't uh, he didn't like the the administrative side of running a business. Didn't like it. Some people don't. And and I don't necessarily blame anyone for it, but you, one one thing that you can do, even if you can still be an entrepreneur and not have the knack for running the fine details of a business, oh yeah, it helps if you do. But what you can do is you can grit through it and you know work until through you it can until you can get somebody, until you can hire an administrator of some kind. <clears throat> um, I enjoy I enjoy running businesses. I mean, my so I. I would say that I have a passion for working on cars to a degree, but it's not like it's an art to me. You know, it's something I enjoy, but what I really enjoy is starting companies and running companies and seeing them grow and get better and do better. And so this particular friend of ours, his passion was um, producing art, making videos and doing a sure. good... And, and he, you know, the, one of the reasons why he, he just kind of took the joy out of it for him was that in order to make have the business make money, he couldn't be super selective on the videos that he was taking on for clients to do, you know, video production for. In some of them, he's like, I just don't feel any passion in it. <clears throat> Whereas before, he had been producing videos on the side for other people, and he would be able to, because he didn't rely on it for a primary source of income, he could take the projects that he really enjoyed instead of doing, you know, like a, you know, I don't know if this is a, this is something that happened, but, you know, let's take for example, you know, instead of having to do like a, a used car dealership commercial, you know, mm -hmm. he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't have a passion to go out and do used car dealership commercials, but if that's what's coming in to make the, you know, to pay the, pay the rent, mm -hmm. um, that's what you got to do. <clears throat> and there, and there are going to be some things and that's where I think that's another thing that gets a little tricky 
is whenever you are, I think one of the best things, the best ways to start a business or the best, um, the best businesses to start are something that you have a passion for, but it, it, it gets tricky. The one thing, uh, and he, you actually uh, have made mention a couple times that, um, uh, you, you said something to the fact that last time I brought this book up that, um, I must be getting a, a paycheck from this company yeah. or from this book, but E-Myth, the book E-Myth, um, <coughs> uh, for small businesses, mm-hmm. that has got to be the best book that I've ever read when it comes to, uh, getting your small business off the ground. Because what he brings up is the exact same thing you just brought up, and that was you are not going to, until you get uh, systems the way you um, the, the way you get up in the morning and you get your day started to um, once you get in the office and the certain th- the paths that you take, you write those down. Yeah. Uh, the... Every little step that you do, you write those down as to how this needs, whatever project that you're working on, that needs to be written down in a certain order so that when the time arises that you get um, the next person to do that specific, I almost said Pacific, uh, (laughs) that specific job, then they will do it the way you want it done. Yeah. Now that way that you wrote it down may not be the most perfect way to do it, but as time goes on, you can tweak it one way or the other. I have a, um, so I have a company policy and basically it's a contractor handbook, um, that I have written that, that took, that was written over the years. Um, and it wasn't until it took a while to get it polished up. But, uh, and because policies, especially yeah. at first, they're ever changing, they're fluid. I was going to say, uh, I was going to comment on yeah. that. You, your contractor handbook is not concrete written in stone no. now, even though it's been polished several yeah. times. Oh, yeah. It's, there's still going to be, there's going to be adjustments. I mean, even companies that have been in business since 1913, yeah, there's policies that have to change on a constant basis oh, because, yeah. uh, new stuff comes up. Even just new the, scenarios come up, or the, the way that they the equal way, opportunity thing. Um, yeah, we as a comp or country have to constantly evolve because too many people get their panties in a wad. Yeah, and which even saying that, you know, that's a good, great. <laughs> now you're gonna have the uh, now you're gonna have the equal opportunist on you because they're gonna say, well, what about getting your briefs in a wad? You know. Okay, <laughs> you can't just can't just narrow, can't just uh, single out <coughs> single out those who wear panties, <clears throat> and, and what about those who wear boxer briefs? Yep, and those who wear just <laughs> boxers. There's you know you've got to really broaden that, Tyler. So the the best way to phrase that would be to say people get their um, undergarments in a wad. That's one way. You could say unmentionables in a wad. Um, just a broad spectrum. You can't just narrow it down to those and only those who wear panties. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, um. Especially when you're talking about equal opportunity here, Tyler. You have to, <laughs> if you're going to make fun of one person, someone, you have to make fun of everybody. Right? All right. But <laughs> when, it, when it comes to just y- your policies and how often they're changing... 
I yeah. mean, it's it's a it's a never-ending deal. It is. And that was one thing. Whenever we got into business, Keith and I, policies were never really a thing that we thought about because it was just him and I. Yeah, and, and that's and that's easy to that's e- that's whenever things are get real tricky because then you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants all the time and it gets complicated. That's my, my that's why one of my advice whenever it comes to policies is even if you're a sole owner and operator of your business and have no employees, write policies and follow your stinking policies. Just because you're the owner doesn't mean you get to break policy every other day. Yeah. Um, uh, I have, I have policies that I follow because it's like, you know, I, I've had, I've had some, you know, I've had a customer say, cause they'll say, Hey, can we do this? Like, for instance, you know, I have this part. Can, can you install it for me? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I can't per our company policy. We cannot install customer supplied parts. And there's a reason behind that. It's not just arbitrary. I don't make money off of my parts, but for, if I supply the parts, uh, one, it you it, know it's going to be a it, good part. It ensures accuracy of part selection. It also ensures quality of part because I'm you know I pay attention to where my parts come from and and even if you, they purchase it from the same store that I purchase it from, there are certain brands I avoid. There are certain types of parts that I avoid installing that are remanufactured versus you know and I say that we'll only install new, you know and. So, because I've been doing this for a long time, and I know what's the best parts, but also another thing is, if I purchase it, I get a discount, so it saves them money, because I'm not marking up the parts, and then I also get to track, it's easier for me to track the warranties on those parts. Sure. Plus, the parts supplier provides a 90-day labor warranty if I purchase them, but not if the customer does. So, if we install the part, and it's immediately broken, and they provided it, that customer now has to re- has to pay for labor again, and they're not going to be happy about that. So, anyhow, um, so there's a, that's the reason behind that policy. And I've and I've had a customer who said, "Well, you know, you're you're the owner. Can't you, you know, can't you just make an exception?" And I said, "I don't have the authority to do that." I'm like, what do you mean? You're the owner? And I said, "Yeah, um, but it's written in the policy. So unless a policy change makes, like, well, you don't, you, you didn't you write the policies?" I said, "Yes," and it'd be silly for me to ignore them because then it would have been a waste of time for me to write them. (laughs) (laughs) So don't go write a whole bunch of policies that you're not going to follow anyways. Your policies only mean, they're only, they only mean as much and only hold as much authority and weight as you allow them to. So yes, you may, you know, you may apply those to employees, but if you're, especially if you work in an environment where your employees can see you operating and if the, if the company, if the employees see you breaking your policy every other day, they're not going to hold very much regard for that policy either. Exactly. They're going to say, well, he doesn't do it. So why yeah. do I? Yeah, exactly. That, that was, um, there was a guy that, uh, Daniel worked for, um, a while back. And when mm-hmm. I say a while back, it was a long time ago. But um, a friend of ours named Daniel, he uh, worked for a guy. And Daniel wanted to take some vacation time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only reason I know this is because this guy told me. Uh, but Daniel asked him, he's like, hey, uh, can, can I take some vacation time? And he goes, I know I, I don't have any room in the schedule for you to take any vacation time. He goes, well, you've been taking vacation time. And uh, 
and he was taking a good amount of it. Yeah. And yet he was also the same guy that uh, was having a hard time paying Daniel. And Daniel's like, well, well, why do you get to take vacation and then also have a hard time paying me? He goes, well, I own the business. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there are certain... There are certain things that don't apply 100% equally to owners and employees per se, but you also have to remind, you have to, you have to remember that you need to, you know, it needs to be fair. So, yeah, maybe you get to take a little bit more time off than an employee does, but that's only because, you know, you get, you have to put in more work and more time into it when you are working, you know, your employees may get to go home at five o'clock and you're still behind the desk working on something or in the shop working on something or doing something until six, seven o'clock at night or later in many, in some cases, in many cases. I work till nine, 10, 11, two in the morning. Yeah. Uh, just because we got it's got to get done. Something's got to get done. The elves are not going to show up after yeah. we leave and finish. Which is unfortunate. I really wish that they would. <laughs> wish the elves would yeah, show up. Yeah, where are the helper elves? <laughs> Santa Claus gets them. I can't I know. Wait. Yeah, and that uh, one shoe cobbler got them as well. So um, I don't know why. I don't know why we don't get them. Maybe we need to be either Santa Claus or a shoe cobbler. Maybe we're in the wrong business. <laughs> we should be cobbling shoes, I guess. If that's the appropriate, like, can you use that as a verb? Is cobbling a verb? Cobbling. No, yeah. I don't, th- I don't think it is. I don't think it, it, if it is, it is probably not a great verb to be using. Could sound kind of dirty. So on that note, um, I'm <laughs> actually going to take a break for our spon- uh, for a message from our sponsor. We're back from that break. So, um, I wanted to get into the topic of discussion for the day, and um, much like last week's topic, it is advice for starting a business, but it's also good advice on maintaining and continuing conti- the continual success of a business, and um, where I think a lot of people overlook um certain certain aspects of this topic and that's marketing. So mm-hmm. here's the thing about marketing, especially if you're kind of fresh to the entrepreneurial world. And I've mentioned it before, I said, you know, I've said whenever you first start a business, don't go out and pull an ad out on every billboard in town. That's a good way to drain your uh, marketing uh, budget and your and just general your general fund budget because that's a an expensive means of marketing and realistically it's not a super effective means of marketing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I'll tell you this from personal experience: where what's been most effective in growing my business and maintaining my business and the marketing side of things. And it's also one of the cheapest, if it, in a lot of cases, free forms of advertising is referrals. Oh yeah. Referral marketing is where you need to put your efforts into, especially at the beginning. And you continue, you need to continue to place effort into it throughout the life of your business. So 
um, what is referral marketing? So referral marketing would be um, basically you're getting your business advertised to for you by happy customers. And, and it's word of mouth marketing, basically. Mm-hmm. So um, what's the... Here's and here's my here's a good sound piece of advice that will benefit your business in more ways than one, not just in the form of marketing, but also just in general. And the key to having successful referral marketing and the key to having successful business is provide a good service or product at mm-hmm. a reasonable price and cultivate a good, happy customer experience. So, basically, and it sounds really, really basic, but treat your customers right, and your business will do good. Your business will do good. Oh, yeah. Because you could have, you could try your hardest to cultivate a good referral base, but if you offer crap services and you don't treat your customers right, it's not going to do you any good. Um, In fact, realistically, it'll do more harm than good because... People, customers in general, they are, they're more likely to, like if they have a bad experience, they're more likely to talk about it than if they even have a good experience. So, by far, you you know how hard it is to get a Google review from really happy customers? happy customers. Versus um, when you tick off somebody? Yeah, if you make someone upset. It doesn't take them very long to have a negative review on your Google or your Facebook or, or your Yelp. Yelp. Um, that they they are quicker. People are quicker to write negative reviews than they are positive reviews. Um, you know, because people, if they have a great experience, they they don't really think much of it. They don't think, oh, we need. Now they will tell people in person. But oh yeah. Putting out those um, you know online reviews. I constantly have people telling me um, from witness customers. Yeah, I, I talk to people all the time about you guys, yeah. and that is, it's it's the best form of advertising it there is. is. But um, what I prefer is if I could get them to write <laughs> me a Google review, yeah. because thousands of people are going to read that Google review, yeah. where they may only talk to 100 people throughout the whole year. Yeah. Especially, you, if, especially if they're only one person yeah and they don't really like my wife does not like talking to people (laughs) yeah well and you'll and you'll always get that really great customer that is real well connected knows a lot of people and generates a ton of business for you for instance the office building that we're sitting in right now belongs to my insurance agent who is very you know he knows a lot of people and i have gotten you know a lot of business from him in fact if not for if not for you know, him as being a a happy customer of mine, like I wouldn't have got the, uh, the pre-advance notice for a very, um, basically to get an office in this spot, you got kind of got to know someone. So that way you can get a heads up whenever an office is becoming available because these offices fill up fast because it's a good location. It's reasonable price. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice, you know, nice quiet office. It's not, you know, too crazy or hectic or anything. So because of that relationship, not only have I gotten a, you know, a fair amount of customers from him, I've, I've probably worked on, I, I've worked on almost every, 
every person in this office building, I've worked on almost all of their, every single one of these people's cars and uh, present, uh, past and present um, occupants of this office. Wow. In fact, like this very office space um, used to belong to a, a previous customer of mine who moved. He lives in Texas now. <clears throat> um, but I know personally, like in my business, referral and word of mouth advertising accounts for approximately a third of my incoming business. Like it's, it's a big chunk. It's a huge chunk. It's a lot of money. And, and, and if not for referral. Now, here's the nice thing about referral marketing is that a lot of it kind of happens naturally and on its own if you follow those basic principles that I said is you offer a good product and or service, a good, a good quality product and or service at a reasonable price, and you create a positive customer experience. So if you follow those you know, kind of three key pieces, and, and so basically it boils down to treat your customer right, if you do that, it kind of happens on its own because they're going to be happy about it. And the next time it comes up, you know, in my case, uh, if someone needs a vehicle worked on and it comes up in conversation and someone said, you know, someone's talking to a customer of mine and says, man, you know, my car, you know, it's not starting. I've got to get it to the shop somehow. I got to take it to someone will say, whoa, whoa, wait a second. I know a guy. I know a mobile mechanic. You don't even have to get it towed. Um, you know, why don't you, uh, give him, give him a call. And uh, I've had, uh, <clears throat> riders whenever I'm driving Uber, I pick them up and they're like, man, today's been rough. Um, my, my car decided I didn't want to start. Really? I just so happen to know yeah. a mobile mechanic mm-hmm. that he comes to you. You don't have to worry about missing days of work because yeah. he'll come to you and fix it. And, and it blows people's minds that there's yeah. actually a thing that like that. Because I'm offering a uh, a good service at a reasonable price, and I create a customer, a positive customer atmosphere or mm-hmm. experience. And so, because of that, it makes it so you want to make your business easy to refer. Oh you yeah. Know, if you make it easy to refer, then it will happen kind of on its own. Um, and in your case, I don't know, I don't know the numbers, but when I was working sales for you guys, like it was a pretty substantial number of people that were coming because they were referred by someone else. Oh yeah. You have many, you guys have many forms of advertising out there between the vinyl wraps on your vehicles. You have, um, uh, bus, uh, bus benches. benches that are av- 14 bus benches throughout town. Yeah. You have your customers, uh, you have your, your company logo on a sign in front of the customer's house. You know, that's, that's partially for a preventative measure to kind of prevent people from wanting to break into their houses because they know that they have a security system, but it also works as a good form of advertising and brand recognition. That's why most people think that we put signs in the yards is uh, for advertising. Yeah, it really like primary purpose of that is to tell, is to advertise to thieves, hey, this We've is, got a system. Yeah, this this house has a security system. And because system. we're a new enough company in the, the market space, I guess you could call it, um, we definitely are more of a threat than say an ADT sign yeah. because ADT, well, they could have snagged that from their friends or yeah. whatever. It's so, I mean, you guys have many, many forms of advertising, all of which are, you know, the vast majority of which are effective. Um, but I would venture to guess that the single most effective form of advertising for your business 
is probably referral marketing. It, it'd probably be a close tie between referral marketing and your online web presence. I was getting to say it'd be very close. Because that is kind of, yeah, it, it's dependent upon the month or even, you know, if you selected six months out of the year or even you looked at it annually. Um, depending upon the month, Google and, you know, online web traffic generating my business versus referral marketing, it's always, it's really a cl- almost always a neck and neck race. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, my referral marketing can pretty, my word of mouth um, referred customers, you can pretty safely assume any given month that a third of my customers are coming from that. Mm-hmm. And then... Dependent upon the month, um, you know, it's generally a minimum of a third are coming from Google and online advertising or online, basically online web traffic. And the, um, the, but then sometimes climbs to higher to, you know, 40, 50% of it's coming in from, you know, people just Googled mobile mechanic and found my company. But that being said, the ones that, um, the ones that did Google it, they generally are also then looking at reviews. So they are also kind of making their decision based sort of off of a referral, whether it be, you know, it may not be a word of mouth referral, but they're looking at how other customers felt about my company and making that decision to call me or book with me online or however, whatever means that they get. So, um, so the question is, um, or so, so, so if you follow those principles, you are going to naturally generate referral marketing by far. Yeah. And there's a couple of other ways that you can help kind of boost that along and put an emphasis because it's kind of hard. It's, it's one of the most difficult forms of marketing to control because with bus benches, you can say, all right, we want to increase our reach on bus benches. So just put more bus bench advertisements out. Oh, yeah. Oh, we want to increase our reach um, with, you know, uh, billboard marketing, get more billboards. We want to increase, we want to target a specific demographic um, to get the word out to them. So you just find out what media that demographic is focusing on and you put the advertisement out on that media. So there's more control in most other forms of advertising with referral the only real control that you, you know, the easiest way or the most control you have over it is to create a product and or service that people are willing and a customer experience that people are willing to refer. And if they are going to refer it, so if you create that, then that's your, that's your, that's your basic, you know, building block right there for referrals. <clears throat> um, we'll get into here in a, a minute after I talk about some stats, we'll get into kind of what you can do sure Um, but i want to lay some groundwork here so um here's an interesting statistic um who trusts referral advertising so here's one of the things about advertising is a lot of times you're advertising by demographic and the question always is is you know if you're trying to reach a specific generation the form of advertising varies so if i'm wanting to reach baby boomers I'm probably not going to put as much emphasis into social media marketing um, because it's, it is effective on baby boomers, but not as effective as it is on millennials and Gen Z, right? That's where, that's where. So now you have to break that down because I know uh, millennials and Gen Z both don't follow Facebook as much anymore as say Gen X and boomers do. Now, no, um, but Instagram and um, Snapchat 
and YouTube are huge forms of advertising that In reach Gen strongly with Gen Z yep. and millennials. So it gets real complicated if you're now if but if you want one form of advertising that reaches a broad stroke of generations, here so here's a stat. Who trusts referral advertising? Uh, baby boomers, 80% of them uh, will trust referral advertising. Gen X, 83%. Millennials, 85%. And Gen Z, 83%. Now, why didn't you bring up the silent generation? So the silent generation is a statistic that is... Um, <clears throat> That's going to fade over time. Yeah, and, and, it's all, and it still is. It's 79%. So what does that mean? That means that basically across the board, throughout all generations... You can get, you can expect at least eighty percent of them to be, to be receptive to Some referral. Pretty high numbers. That is, and not only is it high numbers, but it's consistent across the board. Mm -hmm. Basically, this stat tells me that, that practically it stays within. Well, actually, right there, it stays within six percent of each other. Yeah, all five generations, <clears throat> it stays within six percent. That's pretty solid numbers. But you know what that tells me? That tells me that it is a time-tested and trusted method of advertising, and it will continue to be a good form of advertisement even as generations uh, oh, yeah. progress. Because, because here's the the root of referral marketing. The reason why it's so effective is because. It's easier to trust a friend than to trust some random autoplay ad on your Twitter feed or yep. in YouTube. You know, hundred percent. If if I see an advertisement come across on Facebook that says, "Hey, check out this hunting gear" or something like that, I go, I might say, you know what? Yeah, that's uh, that's maybe something I'll consider. But if you come to me and tell me, "Hey, I bought these pair of boots, and they're just the best boots for hunting, and they're so comfortable, they keep my feet dry." Um, and, and all of this, I, are I you would, saying that because <clears throat> my, my, uh, hunting boots are yeah, uh, so, leaking. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you have leaky hunting boots and I'd figure that you'll probably <laughs> buy some, but if you bought <laughs> some boots and you told me about them and you were, and you thought they were great, I would trust, I would say I would be more likely to pull the trigger on purchasing those boots than if I saw it across my Facebook feed. Um, hands down, because I know oh, yeah. you, I trust you. You have real world experience with this boot, these boots. So. I'm going to, you know, whatever boots I buy, they're going to be some awesome boots. I can tell yeah. you that right now. Yeah. So th that's why, that's why referral marketing, that's why over 80% of all generations trust referral marketing and because they trust the people that they're getting the referral from. And so there's already, there's already an automatic built in trust in your business. Um, 28% of millennials say they won't try a product if their friends don't approve of it. That's not a giant number, but that's a quarter of an entire generation or more than almost a third of an entire generation that is not even going to, is not even going to entertain the idea of a product unless one of their friends have first tried it and they, or they approve of it. Um, business to business um, uh, referrals have a 70% higher conversion rate and 69% faster close time on sales. The reason behind that is businesses, they, if they do business with someone else and that, you know, say for instance, we, we have, you know, we each have our own businesses. Mm -hmm. And if you tell me, you know, Hey, 
um, you know, I've got this accountant that's real great. In fact, actually, there's several accountants that I know not to use because you guys have had a negative experience with them. Yes. But if you tell me, <laughs> hey, this accountant is great, um, then I'm going to have a higher likelihood of, of using that accountant rather than if that accountant advertised in the newspaper. Well, certainly, obviously, I'm not going to be looking at an ad <laughs> in the newspaper. If, but, they're in know, the, if they're advertising in the newspaper. They need to get know. with the Times. <laughs> they're way and behind I, and the I Times. Don't, and I don't mean they need to get with the New York Times. <laughs> so so um, basically, it's, it's pretty easy to assume that it's more effective. But here's some interesting, uh, some more, you know, five... You, uh, customer who's, customers who are referred to your brand are up to five times more likely to use um, your referred product than customers who weren't. Now, this uh, w- what's the website here that you're uh, pulling this from? It's Is that a reputable reputable source? Yeah, it's um, I, I I think it's actually a type of referral marketing, and and these I I've actually cross referenced these stats with other um, other Statistic sites, sites that are, that are that are saying the same thing. I just picked this one because it's uh, it's the it's the best laid out and it looks better. And so of of the uh, four different sites that I looked at, I figured this one would be the best one to link into the description. Sure. So it's, it's a little bit easier to, to read through. Some of them are a little from wordy. Sitting about five feet from the screen, I can see that it's pretty awesomely laid yeah, out. Yeah, it's put, it's put together real well. It's, it's they took very, some time on it. Yeah, they did. So uh, when referred by a friend, people are four times more likely to make a purchase. Um, <clears throat> here's, here's another good, uh, some good information. Customers acquired through referrals have a 37% higher retention rate. And 81% of consumers are more likely to engage with brands that have reward programs. So, um, but here, what I want to focus on that 37% higher retention rate. So why is that? Well, they're coming into the transaction already more trusting of you than they otherwise would have been if they just, you know, saw your ad on a bus bench because they were, Mm -hmm. they, they were referred by a friend who said, Hey, we have witnessed security. We love them. They're great customer service. Their technology is great. Um, good price. So they're going to likely stick around with you. What we've seen actually is, so we got the uh, bus benches. So mm-hmm. they'll be driving down the street, see our bus benches, which are eye level with the car pretty much. And then they're like, man, that's a that's a sharp looking logo. You yeah. know, I, I kind of need security system. And then they'll... Uh, happen to hop on Google and see the vast amount of reviews that we have. And they're like, yeah. wow, they, they got a good amount of reviews or what they'll do is <clears throat> they'll be talking, man, have you seen that bus bench there on uh, such and such street yeah. and uh, Memorial and uh, 51st or, uh, and it's witness security. And then their friend will be like, yeah, actually they take care of, a business that they take that they yeah. work for, or mm-hmm. whatever, and or yeah, they're they're solid people. Matter of fact, city of Tulsa, uh, anytime that somebody goes in and pays for a permit uh, mm-hmm. down there at city of Tulsa, the person there at city of Tulsa that handles the permits will actually mention to the per- to our customer, <laughs> be like, man, Whitney, you picked a really good company when it comes to security, yeah. because. I don't know if it's because we 
have so many customers that they have it built into their monthly, uh, or not their monthly, but their annual. We take yeah. care of the permit. Mm-hmm. And so we basically uh, have kind of built a repertoire with um, the city of Tulsa. But it's kind of cool whenever the city of Tulsa is referring, saying, hey, that's a good company. And that, that stems from, you know, the three basic principles, good product or service, um, a, a reasonable price, and create a, a positive customer experience. And and it's going and, and it's going to cultivate a good referral atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So um, here's here's a, a really and and I've seen it firsthand. Uh, but an interesting uh, stat is you can expect at least sixteen percent more in profits from referred customers. People who are referred to you will spend more money with you than oh, yeah. if they found you online. Um, I can see that, and and in my case, I've seen it. I, I've seen it. Um, basically, in general, I can expect that they're they're going to spend at least twenty five percent more. And the reason is, is because, again, if you have a customer who comes to you from Google, and yes, they see your reviews and they think that you're great, but they're you know, and, and you say, hey, we recommend in your particular scenario that you need to add a glass break here. Well, they may not be as receptive to that as if their friend or their or their aunt, their aunt referred them to you, a friend or family referred them to you, then they'll they'll be more trusting and say, well, you know what, you know, if you think that it needs a glass break, that's it, you know, that's what we're going to do. And I see that in the, I see less hesitation and more trust in people that are referred to me. If I say, hey, you need this on your car, they say, okay, let's get it done. Like they're not, they're not, well, are we sure? Or this, you know, do we really need to spend this type of money? And, and they're, they're just more willing and more trusting of the company that they're working with. So because of that, you see higher, uh, in profits and they're, and they're, um, another interesting thing about referrals too, is that the person doing the referring, though you may not have some sort of reward program that says, Hey, I'll pay you X amount of dollars for every person you refer to us. And, and in fact, there's some stats that disprove that, that the effectiveness of that. In fact, some people um, uh, some people have reported that it it actually cheapens the referral, and people don't want to refer people because they feel like they're getting paid to do so. And but the people who refer without being paid to do so are doing so more honestly, and it's more effective. And we so, put a uh, somewhat of a reward program in place uh, so that. One, uh, they get less, they they have less a monthly, yeah. less of a monthly uh, bill on their security mo- monitoring mm-hmm. if they refer, and it's been pretty effective. Yeah. Uh, especially the customer, and we, we constantly, every time Keith is in a home and they're saying, well, I just can't afford the forty three fifty a month or whatever, Keith goes, well, it doesn't have to stay at forty three fifty. You can... Uh, refer us 12 customers and then you're down to seven bucks a month and they're like oh well then i'm sold and those and those forms of referral rewards programs they they can be effective uh i'm just saying that that the the ones that are referring with no with the, the the ones who are referring and they don't have a monetary motivation to do so they feel happy as well Mm -hmm. like they get a reward in a sort in a sense like if if uh, 
It's if just I like, talk, if I so if I talk to a friend and I tell them, hey, you guys should use Witness Security. It's a great company. They're going to be the best for you. And they end up going with another company. Like it, you know. Even though it's like it's not my money. Right. You know, I shouldn't be that. I shouldn't really care too much. I mean, yeah, they're friends of mine, but if they want to throw their money away, that's up to them. But I, I feel better about it. I feel better if they do choose a company that I refer them to. Sure. Even if I'm not necessarily getting any sort of, you know, monetary or whatever. Yeah. 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 The, the, the feeling that you would get of referring a customer to another business is almost, uh, to the point of that feeling that people get whenever they give the homeless guy at the corner a, a dollar bill or so, they, they get that, ah, yeah, I help somebody out. That, yeah. yeah, it's almost it's almost a similar feeling as though it was you know it's a charity of some kind like you're yeah. you're helping somebody out, um, and uh, I did my good deed for the day. Yeah, so <laughs> so uh, people are willing to spend more money. They're more trusting of your company immediately, and those who are referred to you and then uh, consequently also have a positive feed uh, positive experience, they are really willing to refer other people to you. And so it's exponential. So you may you may satisfy one customer. Well, that one customer then tells five customers. and and now those five customers tell uh, you know two apiece. Well, that one customer just turned into fifteen customers now. mm-hmm. That's why it's one of the most effective forms of advertising because not only does it work exponentially, but it works across all demographics, and it is, and and it's and it really doesn't change much with the times. It's always going to be effective, unless society as a whole starts distrusting literally everybody around them. <laughs> you can basically assume that, especially nowadays, and, and and here's here's actually an interesting tidbit of information: millennials are less receptive to um, like online forms of advertising than you would expect because they, they like, they're the ones who trust, uh, who distrust like advertising more so mm-hmm. than really any other generation. And me personally, I'm almost to the point where like, if I see something come across on a YouTube ad, I almost am like, I'm not going to use that product and or service out of spite. Cause I don't want them. I don't want them to have beat me. Like I don't want them to have tricked me into using their <laughs> their product. So, but if a friend tells me about that same product, I'll be like, "All right, all right, we're, we'll I'll look you, into it. We'll look into it. Yeah, we'll take a look at and it." And that's what we uh, with witness we we use the bus benches, we use Google, we use the referrals, we use the vehicles, um, and then we actually have a little bit of YouTube uh, videos out there as well. So between those yeah. five, I guess you could call it five-legged stool or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a weird it's, stool. Yeah, it is. Uh, not wobbly, that's, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, plenty enough legs. Um, but uh, when it comes to those five legs there, there's going to be, in, yeah. in a lot of cases, there's going to be a one-two well, punch yeah. in Almost exactly. every that's, transaction. And that's the nice thing about about having, you know, about about referral marketing and following the basic principles of providing customer experience, you're going to get you're gonna get you're gonna get at them in more than one way because they're gonna see, you know, they're gonna be referred by a friend and then they may say, you know what, I'm gonna look into it. They pull up your Google, they see the reviews online, and they're like, Okay, I'm definitely sold on this company. Matter of fact, we have six legs. Um Come to think of it, because we have those uh, the 
window decals on the back of uh, yeah. customers' vehicles, yeah, yeah. which gives the customer, our customer, a avenue to refer. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's that's what I was going to get into. Um, I was going to share this one stat and then segue right into that. So 83% of customers are willing to refer after a positive shopping experience. So like I said, follow those basic principles and it's going to happen naturally. But how do you make it? Beyond obviously providing a good, you know, customer experience, how do you make it easier for them to refer? So there's a few ways you can go about this. There's a few ways that you can put your focus and effort into referral marketing and, you know, use it as your more or less the backbone of your marketing strategy. And you can, um, uh, there's one way you guys do it. You provide them with decals on their vehicle. If they want to put a decal on their vehicle, you give them a discount on their monthly rate. Mm. And and it also makes it effortless for them to, you know, advertise for you because they don't have to do anything except drive their car. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one other, th- another thing that a lot of times is overlooked and it seems weird that it's still extremely effective, but business cards. I mm-hmm. don't understand how or why it's still effective, but boy, are business cards effective and they're inexpensive. So and they're getting cheaper all the time. They are. You know what's weird is I actually thought, you know, when you know, when starting this business, I thought, man, nowadays is it even necessary to have business cards? But I'm gonna get them anyways and we'll see. Boy, I ran out of business cards so fast. Um <laughs> my head was spinning. I was like, I guess I gotta get some more. And you know what I found interesting and this may be anecdotal evidence i haven't pulled any stats on this but i found that and i expected that the younger generation would be less likely to want a uh, business card but i've noticed personally that i get requests from younger people and millennial and gen z i get requests from them more frequently for the business for the business cards um a lot of times we we also put into effect a um it's called CardTap. It's a um, app that Keith found. I don't know how he found it, but he found it. And what it does is it's a link that we send to our customers mm-hmm. and then another avenue that they can refer us, which it gives them. Uh, it's kind of a a website style business card yeah. that our customers can pass out. A digital business yeah. card. Yeah. And it not only sends them the website, it sends them uh, the ability to uh, our phone numbers, uh, Keith's name. I, I think it even has a little bit of about us. Yeah. Uh, it, it gives us, it gives them a huge business card, but it's a digital business card. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Cause as soon as that customer sends it, um, we're able to see, the customer send it because uh, Keith gets an email or a text or something about the fact that someone sent a link mm-hmm. to a friend. He ref- They referred it. And then not only that, but we also get to see the how often that new person that's been referred, how they've been messing with it. Yeah. It's, it's super um, cool. Yeah. And so, so I think um, 
I think business cards are a that's a good form. It's a good tool to give customers to be able to to refer you because, you know, they they may not uh, they may not remember all of the details of the contact info and all that stuff. So having a business card is kind of useful. Um, anytime that I have you know talk with a customer, especially a new customer. I will hand them a small stack of business cards. I'll say, because I mean, I keep, you know, I usually keep n- no less than 500 cards on. Like if I get less than 500 cards, I'm ordering, ordering a thousand more. more. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but he also, he, Matt likes to put his uh, business card in people's bathrooms too, I, which so, is a little yes. weird. It's a funny, but, it's it's funny, but it's actually proven as an effective marketing strategy. <laughs> I started it as a joke. What I do if I go visit, you know, a friend or whatever, we're going over for dinner or something. If I use their bathroom while I'm in there, I will then hide, his calling card. I will hide <laughs> my business cards in random spots throughout said bathroom. Like, you know, stick it in the vent on the ceiling, <laughs> um, uh, sneak it into the paper towel holder in the paper towel roll, um, put it in a random drawer maybe. Um, hide it in the towels so whenever they go to pull a towel out for a shower, my business card comes down. Doesn't want to tell, or he doesn't want to say that he actually uh, he goes through your medicine cabinet, but he yeah. might. <laughs> don't don't be surprised if you find it in your prescriptions. Um, but so I, funny enough, that was really just more or less a joke. Um, that uh, did you start that at my house? I don't know if it was started at your or my house. Office. I know you started office. it with us. Yeah, it started somewhere, and then I just kept doing it. And then I actually got a call from a friend's um, father-in-law um, <laughs> who was over at their house, and I was working on their. I was working on his uh, his vehicle, and I said, "Oh, did uh, um, you know? Did your uh, did your son or your daughter-in-law um, refer you to me?" He's like, "No, I was actually using the bathroom." <laughs> I said, oh, so I guess that marketing strategy paid off, okay. But no, you know, so business cards uh, can be effective forms of um, advertising, whether you hand it to your customers or you hide it in friends' bathrooms. Just don't do it uh, going to a quick trip bathroom or something and tape yeah. it to the wall because um, they might have call for a good time yeah, written yeah. right there on the wall. Yeah, that be, might get... Uh, might be a little weird. It might get out of hand. Um, depending upon what type of your business, what type of business you're running, <laughs> I guess, or whatever, you know, you may be in an, in an industry where that could be effective. So, uh, another way to focus on and build your referral networking and your referral marketing is, um, there are actual referral networking, referral marketing groups out there that you can join. Typically it's a paid subscription. Generally it, uh, more than pays for itself. Um, that's an effective form, but really it's also, it's also a good way to network and gain, you know, get, get, um, you know, customer or not necessarily customers, but get other, um, uh, you know, other contacts that know people. So just kind of network yourself, you know, network amongst people, learn, meet more people, meet people who know people and be, generate a good customer atmosphere and you will have, an effective referral marketing um, uh, platform, and 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 it's good to focus on that, especially from the get-go, because it costs almost nothing to get good referrals and to get or to get customer plenty of customers through referrals. 
but it's also good to continue um, growing your business and continue drawing in more customers and typically customers that are willing to stick around longer and spend more money. So um, that is, that's my big piece of advice whenever it comes to marketing is my, um, one of my main focuses is generally on referral and word of mouth advertising because it is amongst the most effective for many reasons. And I will link this, um, uh, this list of statistics into the description of the podcast. So, um, Tyler's running out of time and I actually have, I've got places to be as well. I've got several cars to work on today. And, uh, you've got to go and lock it off. So, yep. <laughs> All right. Until next time.